Rhino, buddy, you are my yang to my ying. You are my favorite pessimistic Cubs fan. You have been down even going into the the All Star break. Uh, even though we were leading the division, how you like me now, buddy? We're looking pretty good, aren't we? Oh man, I was hoping for that sweep against San Diego, but you know what? I'll take it. Eight out of ten, great start, and again, it gives the Cubs a little bit of breathing room in the NL Central as they head into a huge road trip against San Francisco and then Milwaukee and then St. Louis. It is going to be a crucial series uh, coming up for the Cubs on the road. We've got such a big show. We've got some big guests. We do. Mike North from formerly of The Score, Sports Radio 670, now on ESPN 1000, the legendary Mike North, sports talk show host, going to be joining us here on the seventh inning stretch. So be ready and be there because the Friendly Confine starts right now. First inning now, and of course, the Cubs, well, we were waiting for that second half search, Chad, and so far we've seen it. Cubs going into this week with a 8-2 and two record as they, of course, once again, played great at Wrigley Field. But now the time is going to come where the team really needs to step up and play on the road. They have the third worst road record in the National League, but their home record is phenomenal. And, man, it showed in uh, their three series against Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and San Diego as uh, the Cubs just continue to play well at the friendly confines but just can't seem to find that winning attitude, so far at least, on the road. What were you most encouraged about in the first three series of the second half for the Cubs. Well, you nailed it. I mean, I think that's where that's where every every Cubs fan is thinking, are they going to be able to turn that part of around? And we can do, and we will do a whole inning on the road woes. But when I think about how this second half started, very encouraging. I mean, most people didn't realize. They knew it had been a while, but that first series win right out of the gates, that very, very first uh, series right out of the gate, They that was the first series uh, win in a month and it felt like it so I was encouraged just by the fact that um, they were able to uh, go against a team in Pittsburgh that uh, that we've always said you know are they hanging around are they any good and they showed maybe they're just hanging around because they got slapped around and then they did what they were supposed to do against Cincinnati and then you know San Diego came in and other than a rough end of the game uh, the, the Cubs looked really good three straight series wins that's that's very encouraging and it shows this team has the the killer instinct they need to have to get back, back on the right track I was most encouraged by the or excuse me the Cincinnati series because that of course has just been a one team for whatever reason yeah. has just given this team fits and the Cubs managed to take two or three after dropping the opener. Um, but man, I, I'm, I was pleased to at least see that they could at least win a couple of games from Cincinnati and, uh, and at least move on from there following the sweep of the pirates. And then, you know, winning two close games against San Diego. That's the other thing that I was pretty happy with is the Cubs were winning these one run games. Um, and, and that was encouraging as well yeah. because they yeah. were winning the close ones and, and holding them off and, and letting the bullpen do the trick uh, as they move on to the uh, next series that they're playing in. So let's move on to the second inning. And as we kind of mentioned, Chad, the road has just been unkind to this franchise this year. As I mentioned, third worst road record in the national league. And, well, they got some games now. I mean, you got a three-setter against the Giants, then Milwaukee, then St. Louis. 
Um, not easy. They run in basically against the hottest team in baseball in the Giants. Then they go to Milwaukee to face their rivals, the Brewers, then to face St. Louis. So this is going to be a very telling road trip. And to tell you the truth, I mean, they made made up some ground in the, you know, those the first three series against Cincinnati, Pittsburgh and San Diego. Uh, this could easily shrink very much so, especially if they don't play well um, against Milwaukee and St. Louis. The Cubs could potentially uh, if they don't play well, find themselves out of first place. Yeah. Um, how critical is, is this road trip right now, just in the second half? You know, the road trip is key because they have to write themselves. They have to show that, that uh, the team that we've seen the last three series um, in that first week after the All-Star is not a fluke, and this is a team. Here's some encouraging words. You know, the Cubs have the second-best run differential in all of the National League. Uh, nobody's coming close to the Dodgers. Um, in fact, the Dodgers almost have 100 more runs in the run differential than the Cubs, but the Cubs have the second-best in, in the rest of baseball. So that's encouraging to me. Um, what is discouraging, and where I've said before – and what have I said, Ryan? It's a broken record. Um, you just have to make the postseason. Make the postseason. That's the goal. And especially win a division so you're not in that do-or-die game. Well, the concern now is, okay, make the postseason and have the second-best record. Because if the Cubs are going to be this horrible and pitiful on the road, and they are, um, they are right there with Miami um, and uh, and the Reds. Uh, in fact, the Cubs are even with Miami going into this broadcast with only 18 road wins. Miami has a couple more losses, but that is that's horrible. And so the the challenge there is if you can get home field advantage. Um, and, and and the Cubs are one of the best teams at home. The Cubs uh, again next to the Dodgers are the absolute best record at home. Um, but. It's it's such a disparity. I mean, it's 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 half as many wins as or half as many losses as wins. And and for me, it's a bit bewildering. What's going on there? What does their prep look like? Um, and again, like you said, this next stretch, this is how they can erase all those fears, allay everybody's concerns, and show who they actually are. Yeah, it is a bit shocking, only because baseball was never really known, at least in the past. It seems like now it's it it does make a difference, but in the past, at least home field was never really a thing where it was like in the NBA, where it's like, Oh, you have home court advantage or in the NFL, you have home field advantage. Baseball's never really been like that, but it seems like over the least the last like few seasons, it does seem like teams have dominated at home to some degree and they play much better. Um, whether it's just the dimensions, whether they're just more used to the routine um, for whatever reason. But yeah, the Cubs need to figure this out uh, sooner rather than later, especially if they're going to try and, you know, make a run for another championship because you got to win on the road. And if you're yeah. not winning on the road, then forget about it. It's not yeah. happening. So let's move on to the third inning now. And Chad, there's been a lot of chatter with the trade deadline right around the corner that the Cubs are going to go out, potentially get a pitcher for the bullpen, get another bat. And the hot name that everyone is talking about is Nicholas Castellanos, the center fielder for the Detroit Tigers, uh, currently hitting 283, 10 home runs, 35 RBIs. Seems like he could potentially be a guy who could get the Cubs' attention as a leadoff hitter should the Cubs go out and get him. Now the question becomes, who do the Cubs have to give up to get him? There's just been talk right now. Nothing is definite. No players on the Cubs have been mentioned at this point. However, Nicholas Castellanos, would you be excited about this guy joining the Cubs? 
All right, so we've got a very dedicated fan base. We've got uh, we've got listeners that we know uh, check out each and every one of our recordings. We can see the plays and the downloads. Raise your hand, listeners, if you knew about Nick before this week. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a ledge here and say uh, or limb rather and say probably not a lot of people. But does he fit what we need? Um, he's kind of a long term gain um, if you look at it. If, if you look at if this team is built to last a person that can can do well against left-handed pitching and our our biggest bugaboo as a team the cubs are really struggling against lefties and the dodgers just to name you know the biggest one the biggest concern we have they've got four powerhouse lefties um in their starting lineup so right now um it does seem to make sense his name is out there i'm always surprised uh, by how uh, theo not really th- surprised but i'm always uh, uh, anticipating theo th- pulling something right out of his hat that we've, we've not even heard about. But this is the the uh, the rumor du jour, and, and the question is, is do they have to give up um, uh, Major League Talent to, to make this done? Would you give away um, somebody on the current roster that is giveawayable? And I'm not talking about Descalso. <laughs> um, or, you know, would you be happy with giving away four or five years of, of control of, a, of an Ian Happ for a rental um, for somebody that potentially could be a platoon player? Um, and one thing to think about about Nick is his defensive stats are below average. And so to make this move work, and he's never he's not played at all um, in in uh, in left field. So he'd be he'd go over to right field. He'd supplant Hayward, who is an average center fielder. He's a greatly above average right fielder. So to make this move, you're going to take a hit on defense. And this is a team that when they won the World Series in 2016 were historically great on defense. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think that the Cubs are showing that they're not going to go out and get like a huge name and nor do I think there's any really huge name bats that are on the market right now that the Cubs should really go after they're not going to add a ton more payroll they already gave Kimbrel that contract so I think at this point the Cubs look at it and say look we got Rizzo we got Javi we got Chris we got Wilson those are our core four guys at this point we just need to kind of add here and there and Castellanos may be that guy who they say, okay, he's going to be the bat at the deadline who could potentially supply us a good leadoff hitter. He's the Dan- Daniel Murphy, so to speak, you know. He's yeah, the, the this year's I Daniel. I didn't think Murphy was even a better hitter. I mean, yeah. Murphy, we, at one point, we were talking about possibly MVP at one point, you know, a few years ago when he was with Washington. I Absolutely. mean, Castellanos doesn't exactly uh, scream that by chance. No. But we just see kind of how the Cubs, I think at this point, Theo and Jed say, we just need to find a guy who can potentially give us that on-base percentage to get a little higher to let Chris and Javi and, and Riz yeah. drive those guys in. So let's move on to the fourth inning now. And, uh, well, Chad, the Addison Russell uh, story continues, and it's not exactly one that everyone is excited about. I mean, I'll tell you what. Joe Madden goes out. He, he just trots Addison Russell out there. Basically, for every single game, it seems like it's second base, and Addison finds another way to uh, basically get the fan base to more and more just hate how he is playing and what he is doing. Um, Again, defensive lapses, base running lapses. uh, It's just not getting any easier for this guy. And I'm starting to wonder at this point if the uh, just pressure of dealing with everything that he's been dealing with. I know the Cubs are trying to showcase him to potentially trade him because maybe he's a name that, the Cubs could be trading when they go after somebody. However, uh, he just seems like he is just mentally lost at this point. 
and just not playing smart baseball. And at this point, in my opinion, I think you might be better off just benching him and going with, you know, Robel Garcia at second base or a David Bodie. I'm not quite understanding why Joe Madden continues to trot out Addison Russell at second base. Have you been able to figure anything out on that end? It's it's a it's a topic that uh, that I'm sure a, a lot of our, our listeners uh, have very, um, very clear opinions on. And we're not going to go into that today. We're just going to go into the fact that this is a person that is trying, I would assume, to put himself into the good graces of the fan base that is still supporting him. And he's he's not really doing anything to help himself. As you said, the defensive uh, laps, uh, just not playing with the edge um, and offensively, he's he's not not uh, he's not been what we've seen in the past. Um, and you're right. I mean, what would be the downfall of, of Garcia and Bodie um, being the team at second base? I think, you know, if I've learned anything since 2015 about Joe Madden is I cannot anticipate any of his moves. I can't anticipate any of his lineups. We're going to see a different lineup every night and there's not going to be a rhyme or reason. We can't count on anything. And I think whether it's to increase his trade value, give him the opportunity to create a spark where where he can become the hitter that he uh, uh, that he has been, he's shown flashes of in the past, um, and, and then also play uh, the caliber of defense on second base to make the, the the middle of this infield paired with Javi Baez potentially one of the best in baseball. Um, I don't I don't know what the reason is. I just know that in my view. Um, He's he's got a stopwatch on him right now, a timer that is ticking down, and there's going to be a moment where you might have to punt, um, and that moment continues to speed up with every miscue. Yep, very true, for sure, very true. Fifth inning now, and let's talk a little bit about the pitching because it, uh, it was pretty solid over the uh, past 10 games that we saw yeah. this team uh, you know, get off to a nice start in the second half of the season. Led by Hugh Darvish and John Lester, um, even with Cole Hamels on the shelf still, um, the rotation and the bullpen, uh, very solid uh, these past 10 games. Uh, Kyle Hendricks uh, definitely pitched a really good game on Sunday. Unfortunately, uh, did not turn out to be a victory because of just the offense was not supporting him in that regard. But um, I'll tell you, man, it's, it's nice to see the rotation continue to dominate uh, as well as they are. And at the same time, finally, we're starting to see Hugh Darvish for what we expect him to be. I'm just hoping that he can continue kind of this, this go ahead and, and really push himself here in the second half of the season to kind of form out and be the guy that the Cubs paid for. Because man, if, if he's right, uh, Oh, it's just going to be so tremendous. Uh, when when the Cubs are you know looking to have him in the rotation with Lester, and then when Hamels returns and Hendricks, it's just going to be really nice to watch him day in and day out because when he's on, man, he is he is fun to watch. He really is. He really is. But he can be maddening to watch at the same time. Um, what about the pitching staff? Are uh, you enjoying the most as we watch the first ten games of the second half? You know, Quintana's got 
two wins already since the All-Star break. Lester got a, a much-needed win. Um, how important was you, Darvish, finally getting his first win at Wrigley Field? And, and again, we're seeing this, and we've talked about this over the last couple of episodes. We've talked about you know him turning the corner and starting to show those flashes, and he's definitely – the walk numbers are down big time. Uh, Craig Kimbrell already up to six saves during this time. The thing that, you know, again, and not one of the starting pitchers – um, has has come in uh, and uh, and and had a, a a loss. So you know, I guess you could say you know they didn't have a chance to uh, um, other than Hendricks, and he just wasn't supported by any runs in that loss to the, the Padres. What I'm seeing is a very dialed in pitching staff that is going out there and um, focused on the game plan, executing on their pitches, and showing me signs that they have the ability to uh to be what they what we believe they can be now my biggest concern i shared this with you before um and i I know that my body and cole hamill's body very different but uh i still have very grave concerns that we're gonna see him back from that oblique strain i've had one um and it is really hard to overcome so my biggest my what i'm excited about is that and and uh so far we're not seeing a big downgrade every every fifth day where we have to bring up a, a minor leaguer uh, just so we have the numbers for this, I just want to throw this out here. Last two starts for Hugh Darvish. 12 innings, four hits, no runs, 15 strikeouts. Fantastic. I mean, everybody that... everybody wants him to go longer, right? But what you're going to get with Hugh Darvish is a guy that's going to throw a ton of pitches because he's a pitcher. He is going to he is he is working that strike zone. He's working the plate and that is so, I mean, that what a great start to the second half. Yeah. For sure. Sixth inning now, and, well, Carl Edwards Jr. has seen better days, and unfortunately his 2019 season has uh, not gone as planned. Uh, I hate this story. I hate this story. Yeah, I know. This is your boy. Edwards, uh, with a 5.87 ERA and 20 appearances, uh, was activated from the injured list and still has a lack of command. He allowed just a run on a hit with a walk and hit a batter in just a third of an inning against the Padres. So they're hoping to get him straightened out back in Iowa. The Cubs go ahead and call up Roman Wick, who actually has been pitching tremendously in Iowa. He hasn't allowed a run in 13 consecutive innings. Uh, has a 1.0 ERA in 27 games in the AAA level. Um, but it's unfortunate because Edwards has played such a role with this team. But, you know, listen, bullpen's critical, and you can't be giving away outs. And it seemed like Carl Edwards Jr., unfortunately, was doing plenty of that uh, in uh, you know a lot of starts this year. Yeah, it's 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 frustrating because this is a guy. I mentioned this on the last episode. I mean, this is a guy. If the things go in his favor, he he's the guy, not Mike Montgomery um, with the last out. I mean, he he got it to the, to the two outs in the ninth and in in that game seven in in Cleveland. Now you know the the thing that is it maybe is. Maybe the case is maybe there's something functional. There's something wrong physically because he has had some injury issues throughout the year. You know, Madden had some encouraging words, but he said he's not right, and we need to send him down until he is right. Uh, and 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 Wick has had some solid numbers since he was sent back down. Um, I hope that that uh, CJ can figure this out. I think physically, I think he has the ability to be one of those overpowering guys that is is nearly impossible to hit when he is at his best. But the challenge we, we've seen with him is he's been inconsistent. Um, he was he was as bad as it gets towards the end of the year last year. 
Um, and I have some grave concerns that we may not see him um, back. You know, he may be in a situation like situation uh, who knows, like Tyler Chatwood, who just doesn't have the con- didn't have the confidence last year, but he got his head straight. And maybe next year is when we're going to see him. But it has been nothing but a nightmare for him. The only black black mark on on the, the nine games since the All Star break is that eighth inning, and, and CJ just struggled. So this is is more of the same, and I think it's the right move. Yeah, he hasn't been right. I mean, listen, he had the whole issue with his windup. Uh, you know, in the beginning of the year they were deeming that it was an illegal windup and he had to go back down to AAA to work that out I, I just think he's shot right now I think unfortunately he's just not um, in a place mentally because he's got the stuff we know he has it it's just a matter of putting it all together and unfortunately he just has not been able to figure it out so far this year <laughs> Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. And you know what? We've had a lot of great guests on this program over the course of the last couple of years. But I'll tell you this. When I think of two people that have changed the course of sports radio in the city of Chicago, one for me is Chet Kopik, who was kind enough to join us, the late Chet Kopik, before his untimely passing last year. And the other one is now on the line with us right now. Longtime sports radio host. You remember him from the Monsters of the Midway, from the score, Sports Radio 670. Now you can find him on ESPN 1000 with the Odd Couple Show. It is the one and only Mike North. Mike, thanks for joining us here on the Friendly Confines. I love the Friendly Confines. I remember when Jack used to say it all the time, Jack Brickhouse. It's great to talk to you, Ryan, and uh, thanks for the kind words. And, yeah. It's been a hell of a ride, and it's great to be on with you. It is uh, awesome to hear your voice. You can also check out Mike at uh, Bears Bar Room, um, mm-hmm. Monday at 7 p.m. and Wednesday, and then VegasScoresAndOdds.com, uh, the Mike North Advantage also picks. So you want to make sure you check that out also on Twitter at north to north But, Mike, let's take a few minutes to talk about the Cubs and the season that is unfolding before us right now as the Cubs uh, left the All-Star break and are off to a pretty hot start. Um, right now, though, overall, in your estimation, is this team, would you say, underperforming overall from what you maybe expected them to be doing at this point? I think they care more now, Ryan, in the second half. I, I was on Bears Ballroom on Wednesday, uh, and I told uh, Elder Gandia, the host, I said, listen, I said, I told you two weeks ago, wait till the second half, they'll turn it on. And uh, they'll have the interest, plus they had to get used to not having Zobrist around. We don't know if he's going to come back. They had some injury situations. They had to wait for Kimbrell to come back. Uh, Joe's made some mistakes. If they don't make it into the playoffs by some stretch of the imagination, they lose by one game from getting in. We'll always remember the, uh, the Contreras in right field game. Uh, <laughs> that will be that will be the one that sticks with me. But I really believe that Joe Madden uh, doesn't panic. He wasn't really panicking a whole lot in the first half near the end when they were playing, I think, bad baseball. Now they're playing pretty damn good baseball. And, you know, I think the most underrated part of their team that we never talk about, I think we take for granted, is the starting staff of Hamels and Darvish is coming on now. Lester's going to get better. Uh, you know, you just got a, a, you got four or five Hendricks. You got five, six Quintana. You got five solid starters. And if they can go five, six innings, they have the bullpen come in, they can perform. I think it's going to be fine. Yeah, and you mentioned Hugh Darvish, who is coming off two very quality starts for this team. 
um, his last two outings at Wrigley Field, which obviously is got to be music to every Cubs fan's ear. Um, you mentioned that Darvish is starting to kind of come on and find his momentum a little bit. Uh, what have you seen from Darvish that you uh, find, uh, I guess, sort of on a, a positive note that he can take with him momentum-wise throughout the rest of the year? I think that he's not being hurt. I think the fact that he's healthy. Uh, I think that they're watching him like it's spring training. They count his pitches. They count everybody's pitches. But, you know, I don't think you'll ever see him go into the eighth or ninth inning because they got in the back of their mind. He might feel a twinge. Uh, but his health is the number one thing right now. He's starting to make his pitches. He's starting to zone in on where his pitches are supposed to go. I've never been the biggest fan. I thought they should have kept Arietta, But I do love what I've seen from him. His last three, four starts have been pretty good. So uh, it was good to get the monkey off his back as far as winning at Wrigley Field. And uh, I, I really think now, you know what, maybe he's got that confidence and he had that contract weighing on him when he first came here. And you know what, he was playing in front of, I know he played in front of a lot of people in Los Angeles, but it's even crazier, even though there's less people, they're right on top of you at the friendly confines, my friend. We're talking with Mike North. Of course, you remember him from the score, Sports Radio 670, the Monsters of the Midway. He used to do that great show with Dan Jiggetts. Now you can find him on ESPN 1000 doing the Odd Couple on Fridays and Saturdays, so be sure to check him out. He's also on Twitter, at north to north as we catch up with him talking a little bit about what's going on with the Cubs right now. So, Mike, the majority of the time, it seems like, especially in the second half, the Cubs are going to be focused on the NL Central as far as their schedule is concerned. A lot of games mm-hmm. against the Cardinals, the Brewers, the Pirates, and the Reds. In your estimation, um, it, it just seems like this division doesn't want to have an outright leader. I mean, obviously the Cubs are you know, currently in first place, but do you think there's going to be a time where we see the Brewers – or the Cardinals start to catch fire a little more and maybe start to gain some momentum in the second half. And that could be the Cubs' biggest uh, issue moving forward if they're going to try and win the division. Well, the first thing they got to do, Ryan, is they got some separation from Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. You don't want four teams chasing you. Now you got two teams chasing you. I, I thought by now the Cubs would have a 5-6 game lead, but that it didn't work out that way. They allowed themselves to play sloppy baseball in the first half disinterested baseball in the first half at times, and I think they let Milwaukee hang around. I still don't believe in Milwaukee's starting staff. I know Yelich is a stud. Uh, Kane, what a pickup he's been. So you know what? you got to consider him. But you know what? I think that Milwaukee and the Cardinals, Goldschmidt hit a big home run for them last night, a three-run job. He hadn't been hitting for them. If he starts to hit for them, maybe it'll be a different story. But I think for, for quality pitching, from top to bottom, I think if you look at all the staffs, and, and from Cincinnati to Pittsburgh to St. Louis to Milwaukee to the Cubs, I give the Cubs the edge. And, and I picked them to go to the World Series, and I'll tell you what, I was trying to figure out a way out of there in the first half near the end, and now they've perked it up like I thought they would, but they got to keep it up now. And, you know, Joe, I don't know if Joe Mann's going to be back or not, but he's playing for his managerial, or he's managing for his, his, his job right now. And I, I think he likes it here, but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. What do you think about the trade deadline as far as if this team needs to go out and get either another bat or another arm? Where do you stand on that? You know, I think they don't need another arm. I think they addressed that with Kimbrough. They got stroke knocked down now. They also got rid of Montgomery. I understand that for the catcher. I like that little pick up there. Uh, if I was going to look for something, I might look for 
I might look for a power bat if I could find one. A one swing of the bat, guy comes off the bench. I think they could use another power hitter on this team. Yeah, I know they got Schwarber and they got Rizzo and they got Bryant, but after and Javi, but see, Javi's more of a wild swinger. You know, the Cubs aren't the most disciplined team, or some of their hitters aren't, and, and you need more discipline when you're in the playoffs. And, and you know what? So I think I'd look for another bat, but you know what? I like the team the way it is, to be honest with you. Yeah, they do, you know, as you said before in the beginning of the interview, they are starting to look like that team. It, it almost reminds me, Mike, a little bit of 2017. I mean, not not to the extent of where they had to dig themselves out of that hole so much, but they really started to turn it on in 2017 in the second half, and hopefully uh, more to come with that if they can get healthy, like you said, with Hamels. And- well, you know what really bothered me after they won it, you know, won it all? The hangover talk. Uh, you know, and it's become like a, an excuse, like a crutch Boston. You know, look at them this year. Yep. Uh, after winning last year, they did the same thing under John Farrell. I, I thought Boston would be a repeat. Instead, you got Chris Sales, only got three, four wins, although he pitched a gem last night or today, 12 strikeouts, six innings. He's back to maybe his old form. But uh, I, 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 even even in the first half, it just seems like they've been nonchalant. And, and I think that the Contreras game, when everybody got on their case, and everybody got on Joe Mann's case. And you started seeing doubles turned into triples by Rizzo. You started seeing Brian digging instead of all these guys trotting into second base, trying to take the extra base. So I think a little criticism woke them up a little bit, and they're professional enough where they heeded that criticism, and they turned it into a positive. We're talking with Mike North, longtime sports host in the Chicagoland area. Of course, you can hear him now on ESPN 1000. And uh, check him out also on Twitter, north to north He's a great follow there. Mike, I want to end with this, man. Um, so earlier in the week, the Cubs went back to 1969 and just rocked those retro 1969 uniforms. I just absolutely right. love them. I would love for the team to use those as, like, alternate uniforms because I think this this franchise has so many great uniforms from over the years um, first, my guess is a two-part question. One, would you think of them pulling out the 69s to wear the other night? And two, um, you know, with the anniversary and all, um, I'll let you uh, kind of take the last word on this, what your memories are from 1969 and that team. And kind of, even though they didn't get to the World Series, how much of an impact they had on the city of Chicago um, that year and that season? I think those players, I mean, first of all, I was a vendor. So I, I was a vendor at Wrigley in 1969. I was a 16-year-old kid. The place was filled with fans. Every They sat in the stairs. So, you know, nowadays it doesn't happen that way. But you, as a vendor, you had to navigate going up the stairs, wow. uh, you know, up and down the stands. Um, Ronnie Santo, Kessinger, Becker, Banks, the infield third to first with Hundley. Uh, you know, you had just, it broke your heart. The Mets played such outstanding baseball in the second half. I thought, as a kid, as a 16-year-old, I was making 45 bucks a doubleheader. Wow, that's pretty selling good. Selling Cokes. Yeah. Selling 25-cent Cokes. That's how crazy it was. And the play, you know, good-looking women there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was just unbelievable. And I thought we were going to the World Series. And I, I had already you know, told my dad, school was an afterthought to me. I was on the verge of dropping out anyway. I told him I was going to work the World Series. I was a 16, 17-year-old kid, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, boom, 
that didn't happen. And then the next year, I think they switched the division. It just broke your heart. And, and, and you know what? I liked them all. I ended up knowing Ron Santo very well. I know Fergie. I used to stand in line. The vendors used to get paid in the same, at the same cage as the players. So the vendors would be in line with, with Fergie and Bill Hands and, 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 and Joe Pepitone. I mean, it was crazy. It's amazing. Uh, well, Pepitone played later, but it was crazy. It was archaic. That's um, yeah, they had the old accounting machine. The, you know, I remember, what was her name? She was a Darlene or something. She was the one that handled all, all the pay stubs. It was unbelievable. But it was a great, great time. Uh, I'll never forget it. And uh, they still have a place in everybody's heart in this town. And, and they're as popular as in 2016. 100%. They are. Yeah, 100%. I, would, I totally agree with that. And, and they I mean, still... Billy Williams, Ron Sample, Fergie, I can give you the whole lineup now off the top of my head. So, you know, it was a shame they didn't win anything. And, and you know, that, that, that 69 season broke them. Yeah. Broke them. They were never able to recover. Mike North, you can catch him on ESPN 1000, The Odd Couple, on Fridays and Saturdays. ESPN 1000 also bears barroom and Vegas Corsandodds.com. You uh, definitely want to check him out. Mike, thank you so much, man, for taking the time. No to problem, do this with Ryan. Me. I love guys that do this, that do the podcast, to keep plugging away. You sound great. I'm telling you, man. So keep it up because somebody's going to scoff you up, okay? I appreciate it, Pappy. Thanks again. We'd love to have you on down the line. Anytime you want, give me a call, buddy. Take it easy, man. Thanks. Bye-bye. Our thanks to Mike North, formerly of The Score, Sports Radio 670, now on ESPN 1000. And again, you can find Mike on Twitter, at North to North. And uh, man, it's always great to catch up with someone like him. You can also follow Chad at Cubs Confines, and you can follow me on Twitter, at Ryan D. Lieber. And as you always hear from us, we've got a very active uh, uh, Chicago Cubs friendly confines uh, Cubs Facebook. I think I said Cubs three times there, but uh, Cubs Facebook page is look for the Chicago Cubs friendly confines. Join the page. You've got ticket opportunities, game updates, all four sort of fun things like that. But make sure you follow us there. And and always, however you're listening to this podcast, if you're listening to it, and you enjoy it, which we know. Um, we know you are, and I appreciate that, and Ryan appreciates that. Please share it with your, your Cubs friends, um, and if you are following us on, on Apple Podcasts, make sure you give us a rating and a review. It helps us uh, up in the, uh, in the search results. No matter where you're listening, please um, keep supporting us, keep sharing it. Uh, we love having you guys, and you are the reason we do this each and every week. Absolutely. So let's, uh, with that, let's move on. To the eighth inning, Chad. And, this is a uh, funny man, one. This, this is, is a so story funny. that I can't believe I'm actually going to do with you. But um, for those who may have saw Matt Nagy, the head coach of the Chicago Bears earlier in the week, he had an amazing first pitch. He threw a strike right down oh, the middle. Dude, he threw a heater. Sign him up. He may, yeah. he, may, he may be CJ's replacement. Absolutely. And then the seventh inning stretch came. And uh, for those who may have not seen this or heard it, um, at the part where he said, buy me some peanuts, uh, I'm pretty sure he, Matt Nagy said penis. Now, it's unknown whether or not he meant to say peanuts or he meant to say peanuts and he said peanuts, but it came out saying penis. And the best part was the camera like was on fans during <laughs> Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And you could tell like some of them were like, did he just say what I think he said 
but it was like so straight laced. He just like went through it and never thought twice about it. So Chad, was this the greatest rendition of the seventh inning stretch or the worst rendition of the seventh inning stretch by a player or coach or celebrity doing the seventh inning stretch for the Cubs? Cause in my estimation, I think it was the best personally. I mean, anytime you can, <laughs> you can throw that out there without anybody blinking twice about it to me. That, I think, is going to be more memorable than any other seventh inning stretch of all time. I think I think how you feel about the stretch is based on your proclivities and your orientation and the things you like to do on a Friday night, but uh, we won't go there. I just did there a little bit. I will say this. Put up against Mike Ditka's 100-meter uh, dash, uh, <laughs> take me out to the ballgame uh, rendition uh, a few decades ago. I don't think this one will, will stand the test of time. But my goodness, um, I don't know. Do you, you know, it's probably just nerves up there. I mean, I've shared with you my bucket list. My bucket list is top three. Number one, um, I want to throw out the the uh, the first pitch. I want to throw out the the first pitch of a key game. Be the only person to be on the show. Be you know, do all that that, that amazing stuff. Number two, I want to sing the the seventh inning stretch because that means you're either uh, you know some some kind of a big deal. You probably like saved the uh, president or cinder or something. And then number three, I want to catch an opposing player's home run in the bleachers so I can throw it back. But I will tell you this right now: when I sing it, I'm going to be I'm going to be so dialed in and so excited and I will sing it. I think they need to invite both of us up as like their favorite podcast. What do you think about that? Would you want to sing that with me? Would you want to be like Chad Gordon and Ryan Lieber, the hosts of the friendly confines cups? That would be, that'd be cool, right? That's after we get the call from the marquee network, but that's, that's the deal. We get the marquee job. Then we get the call to do the seventh inning stretch. A hundred percent. No, that would be like a bucket list for sure to be able to do something like that. I would, I would be over the moon. Now, my question is this, the bears open up camp. Very soon. In fact, I believe they've already started with their OTAs. Somebody's got to ask Nagy the question, what he actually said, and if he meant to say that or not. Like, somebody needs to address that with him at some point. I hope that is. Uh, Otherwise, it's just going to be basically, you know, kind of left out there hanging. I'm not. I'm no not left out there hanging. That's really? Right. That was beautiful. I, and I stepped over it. I apologize. But no I will problem. say this. I will say this. Um, let's let's keep tabs on this. Um, and, uh, and and maybe we add an extra inning and call it uh, Penis Watch 2019. I love it. All right. Well, uh, with that, the ninth <laughs> inning is here. Sorry, and, everybody. Uh, Sorry, no we went off the rails. No, yep, no problem. We, we've jumped the shark now at this point in the podcast. But uh, – Let's try to uh, rein it back in a little bit as Lee Smith, longtime uh, reliever and closer uh, in Major League Baseball and spent the majority of his career with the Chicago Cubs, was officially inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame over the weekend. Um, You know, I always felt, and I know at the time the Cubs felt like, uh, you know, they needed to make this move, and I know Lee Smith at one point, uh, kind of felt like his time in Chicago was over and he wanted to be traded. But I was it never sat right with me that Smith uh, left the Cubs and, and went on to, you know, continue to be such a tremendous closer yeah. in Major League Baseball. Um, but for that stretch from 1980 to 87, when, when Smith was with the Cubs, man, he was so dominant. I mean, 6'6", over 250 pounds. The guy was just absolutely just intimidating on the mound. He used to throw over 95 miles per hour. Um, he, he was tremendous, and, and he went on to have another exceptional, uh, you know, 10 years with the Red Sox and the Cardinals, um, you know, just 
really a solid pitcher. It was really good to see him in Cooperstown, um, finally, uh, you know, getting voted in by the Veterans Committee um, after coming up so short all those other years. But, you know, I'm happy to see him in there. And I assume, I, I have to think, that he would be wearing a Cubs hat on his plaque. Oh, yeah. And I yes, know he now is. He you is. don't necessarily, but that is true. He will yeah. be wearing that. So, yep, so Chad, what is, what is, if at all, your favorite memories of Lee Smith uh, as you remember him with the Cubs? That, that's, a, that's a beautiful thought, um, and, I'll, and I'll tell you a couple of those. Uh, you know, what, what, what is exciting to me is, is the Cubs' rich history, you know, uh, all those years, and if you've if you've noticed the listeners, the viewers, it it uh, uh, you know we're in season one forty seven of the podcast. I do that just kind of a tongue in cheek because the Cubs have been around in that franchise for that many years. Only Smith is only the seventeenth player in the rich history of the Cubs to be a Hall of Famer, and uh, and you've got to imagine the next step for him is they're going to retire his jersey number. I think that's that's got to be the next thing. When I think of Lee Smith, and I'm going to give you a fun fact after after this is done that I, I bet you didn't know about this. But when I think of Lee Smith, I just think of of that, you know, the team of the of the early mid '80s that that cemented my Cubs fandom. You know, they had you know you could go up and down the roster, you could name everybody, every platoon player, every pitcher, um, and Lee was just this larger than life presence that when he came in, you knew it was it was it was closing time and. Uh, and what's amazing is, is he retired. He retired as the all-time saves leader. Um, uh, Trevor Hoffman unseated him. And then Mariano Rivera, who came in with Lee Smith um, as the class of, of this year's Hall of Fame, um, is, is now the all-time saves leader. But Lee Smith right now, the third all-time in saves. Um, he just, to me, as I said, and, and when I've met him in person, when I've seen him out at spring training, he still is just this presence that fills a room. And you look at him and you go, that guy is something special. And as a kid, I mean, he was just like – he was just a giant. So I remember that. And I remember him just being this scary mythical fit figure at the end of the, at the end of each game. Yeah, he really was. You know, the one thing that always used to bother me the most was that he spent time with the Cardinals. Like I just, it was so hard <laughs> yeah, to I know. watch him me too. in that Cardinals uniform, like in the nineties. And I was just like, why, why is Lee Smith, you know, like I almost wish the Cubs could have gotten him back at one point. That would have been awesome. But, yeah, man. I mean, he, he, for a lot of times, especially in those, you know, other than the 84 team, um, the Cubs didn't have any winning seasons other than that season with him. Yeah. And I just remember he was like the lone bright spot a lot yeah. of times on a team that was just dreadful in the early eighties and in the uh, mid eighties. So other than 84, uh, I thought that Smith was kind of the bright spot for a team that just really, uh, needed him most and you know he never really got unfortunately there were a lot of times where he was like the losing pitcher and on the, you know, the other end and his his record never really ultimately showed like how dominant of a pitcher yeah. he was so to me um, you know that that's what I will also remember the other thing I'll remember too real quick I, I'll throw this in here he made the all-star team I want to say this is like around 87 or 88 around there no, it had to have been, yeah, 87, because it was the last year with the Cubs. And I remember that it was an extra innings game, and, it, and the Cubs, or excuse me, and, and there were no more, like, players to pinch hit at that point, because it was in extra innings. And I remember Smith had to go up to bat, which, you know, clearly he never, had, you know, had a lot yeah. of his bats, obviously. Right. And he, he didn't have a, a helmet, because he wasn't <laughs> planning on batting. 
So I remember he had to wear like a Montreal Expos batting helmet <laughs> I while don't he was remember like that. in the box. And I, I remember, remember that. that. I love and it. That, that is my, also my other uh, memory of Lee Smith uh, when he was uh, pitching. Well, let me, let, let me share this. I love that story. I've never heard it. Here's a really interesting story that I found this amazing. So when he came up through the system, um, he, they moved him to a, a, the closer role in the late, late 70s. And at that time, that wasn't seen as, as a special thing. It wasn't seen as, as revered. Again, this is the guy that eventually became the all-time leader in Major League Baseball in saves. Um, but he, he decided to leave the sport at that time and pursue a career in, in uh, professional basketball. I don't know if you knew that. And it was Billy Williams that had to convince him to come back. And believe it or not, Billy convinced him to come back and have that 6'5", 222-pound frame get up on the mound in the closer role, which, again, which was not revered. It was seen as, a, as, a, as less than being a starter. And there you go. 40 years and 478 career saves later, he uh, gets inducted into the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. This last well, Sunday. well done. It's it's pretty cool to to see that uh, come to come full circle for uh, for Lee Smith. So with that, that is going to do it for this edition of the Friendly Confines for Chad. I'm Ryan. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Have a good one. See you at the ballpark, everybody. the game for I've seen other teams and it's never the same when you're born in Chicago you're blessed and you're healed the first time you walk into Wrigley You're a field The first time you walk into Wrigley